millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Oh my God, you guys. Diva behavior is back from its holiday hiatus. And we're back with a truly off-the-rails special emergency episode all about Sussexit. Yes, Harry and Meghan are slightly leaving but also staying in the royal family. This news is wild. It dropped out of nowhere on Wednesday night. Um, it's it's interesting. At first when the news came out, it was about 7 p.m. in London, and I figured, okay, they're doing this to give preferential treatment to U.S. and Canadian publications because we've seen them do that in the past. We've seen them favor U.S. publications like when all of Megan's friends went to people and talked to them about how awful everybody was being or whatever. So that's what I thought, but no, actually the reason why they dropped it in this, let's be honest, chaotic manner is because the sun had gotten wind of their plans. So Dan Wooten is a tabloid reporter for the sun. He is being called sort of like Piers Morgan 2.0 over here in the UK. He published a report saying that they might move to Canada. Now, Meghan and Harry have done a really good job of sort of training their fans not to like the press. So all they really had to do with this report from Dan Wooten was nothing. All they had to do was do nothing and say nothing. And most of their fans would have automatically assumed it was fake or a lie in the first place. But instead, they went nuclear. They released not just their statement saying they might move to the, to North America and split their time between North America and the UK. They released on their website, sussexroyal.com or co.uk, whatever, pages and pages and pages of information on how they're going to manage this, what the finances are going to be like, blah, blah, blah. So after they released this, about two hours later, Buckingham Palace decided to take a page out of Meghan and Harry's book and also unnecessarily release a statement that made everybody flip out even further. So Buckingham Palace released something saying that the talks are very preliminary and nothing has been decided yet. So this really just makes everyone look even more disorganized. I don't know what the strategy is here. It's wild. It's like the royals are just so fun and so amazing to watch. And this is why. It's because you would think they would have like the creme de la creme PR teams in the universe. But then stuff like this happens where it's just the most dramatic possible unfurling of this information. Like this wouldn't be more dramatic if they like painted it on the side of Big Ben, which they couldn't even do because it's been covered in scaffolding literally since I moved here. But you guys get what I'm trying to say. So a lot of people have been asking me what the reception has been to this here in the UK. And it's really interesting Nobody's really surprised or angry. I mean, I'm sure some people, obviously there are people that have every opinion under the sun, but for the most part, from the commentary I've seen online and on TV and in the papers and from real people and real British friends, people are not angry or surprised that Meghan and Harry want to take a step back. They've made it very clear that they feel very victimized by the press in the UK and they don't want to deal with it anymore. No one blames them. No one's mad. But the thing that people really are 
getting pissed about and saying that they're losing respect for them about is the fact that they allegedly did not tell the Queen or Prince Charles or Prince William before releasing this news. So, I mean, everyone's going to live. All of them are going to be fine. But this is the this is the main sticking point that it seems like British people have. One thing I'd be really interested in hearing about from British listeners is, do you guys feel like this is embarrassing for the UK? Or do you just feel like, whatever, it's fine. Obviously, Meghan would want to live in the US, and it seems like Harry has wanted to live in the US. So it's, you know, it's fine. I don't know. I would love to hear from people about that. Um, I personally, I'm very annoyed that people are pinning are pinning this all on Megan. I don't think it's all about her at all. I don't think it's about her whatsoever. I think Harry has made it very clear that he hates journalists from, you know, for a while. He is not a big fan. He has always been someone who's a wild card. It makes sense that you would want to move to another country. And I think he's sort of picking up where princess diana left off i think she thought she would have been happier in the u.s sometimes and i think it's natural that he is sort of thinking maybe his life would be easier if he leaves the uk is that true i mean we'll see but i i just my main point is please stop blaming Meghan markle for this it's not she's not like controlling him and it's so wild and insane that people are putting it on her you know, this is the Diva Behavior Podcast. We talk about actual divas and we talk about false diva allegations. We're reclaiming the word diva. We're reclaiming the concept of diva behavior. But I have to say, every time I hear anyone accuse Meghan Markle of being a diva, it just does not ring true to me whatsoever. I don't think she's a diva. I don't think she's demanding. I don't think she's sitting and, like, brainwashing Harry and telling him that he should, like, hate his family and blah, blah, blah. I really... And it just really, really bugs me when people make it out like that's the case because there's literally no evidence of it whatsoever. So my guest today is Carly Ledbetter. She is an entertainment reporter at HuffPost and she covers the Royals a ton. So she's super knowledgeable about everything that we're about to talk about. She and I could literally talk for hours about this stuff. You might remember her from my last episode on Princess Diana and Princess Diana's book that she secretly co-authored with Andrew Morton. Um, Carly and I talked all about that and I think it would be really interesting actually to revisit either that episode or read that book if you're a big reader like me because it really might give even more insight now into how Harry and Meghan are going to try to deal with their post-royal life because the book was written with Diana's assistance at a time that she was asking herself the same sort of questions. So Carly and I talk a lot about a lot of different issues. We still didn't even hit the tip of the iceberg, in my opinion, but I think it's great, a great listen. I think you guys will enjoy it. Follow Carly on Twitter and Instagram. Her name is Carly Ledbetter. It's L-E-D-B-E-T-T-E-R. And follow me, Molly Mulshine, on Twitter and Instagram at Molly, M-U-L-S-H-I-N-E. And enjoy the podcast. Some people think Diva's a bitch. Diva Behavior, the podcast. Okay, so I'm here through the magic of Skype with Carly Ledbetter. <laughs> Hi, thank you so much for having me on. Thank you for coming on. Carly is HuffPost's, are you like official royal correspondent or just sort of like 
it's a big, big party or beat kind of thing? Yeah, I would say it's like 95% of what I cover, but also I hesitate to call myself officially a Royals reporter because also at HuffPost we're, you know, we're divided as we cover the Royals. I cover the Royals as entertainment. And then there's another side of HuffPost that really looks at the monarchy and is like, should this still be allowed today? Right. Um, so yeah, I just, yeah, an entertainment reporter look at the reporters. It's a, it's a confusing title. At the Royals. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's something that I definitely want to talk about with you, which is the lack of media literacy around Meghan and Harry's criticisms of the press. But we'll get to that in a minute. I guess my first question for you is what was your reaction and how did you find out that Meghan and Harry had dropped this bomb? Oh, my God. Okay. So I'm going to make this about me, but I just spent 10 days in the Caribbean trying to like channel the Royals. Um, (laughs) So I had no internet, uh, nothing. I got back to work on Wednesday. I was actually working from home. Um, It had been a really slow morning and I had just made myself a taco Um, and I took one bite and then someone in Slack was like, what's the Harry and Meghan news and posted something on Instagram. And I just looked at it and like dropped my plate and immediately wrote a breaking stub, which for anyone who doesn't know what a stub is, it's like where you fill something out really quickly for developing news and publish it and then start actually writing the story. But I swear to God, my heart stopped. I I just... I think we've all known that they are unhappy, but I could not have predicted this timeline. I would have told you that they would they would do something like this in four to five years, or we would have been waiting for Charles to sort of become king and then give them the okay that they can do this. But yeah, yeah I, I and then I worked until I worked until one AM on Wednesday. I think I I showered for the first time yesterday. I was just wow. like it it was absolutely unreal how did you find out I my boyfriend got a BBC push alert and it was like 7 p.m here because I'm in London and he told me and I was like what and I think I just didn't speak to him for the rest of the night because I was just like (laughs) keeping up with the news and like pitching stories and like I don't know so I was also shocked I agree I thought that it would probably happen years from now and I think one of the really interesting things about it is whatever agreement they hammer out right now under Queen Elizabeth has Mm -hmm. to be amenable to Charles and William as well because this agreement if it is what they stick with will be still in place for both of Charles and William's reigns as well so they almost have probably made it a little more complicated on themselves by doing it while the queen is still with us you know definitely and it Go ahead. Oh, sorry, I was gonna say it also it's also like they are setting a precedent right now for future royals to do this so I feel like they they have to hammer out something so quickly and like work with the Canadian government or wherever they live and then it's also like okay what if what if Princess Charlotte decides to do this like I I think that they're really making a choice about the future of the monarchy right now and if people are just allowed to do this Right. The thing that is really an important distinction to make, I think that a lot of people, especially in the U.S., are are missing in their, you know, funny tweets about this is that they're not leaving the royal family and they don't want to leave the royal family. They right. want to Which makes stay. it harder. 
Right. And that's, there's a reason why no one is allowed to do that. There's a reason why for the entire existence of the Royal family, it, you are either all the way in or all the way out. And that reason is because the theory is if you're accepting money and working as like a normal person, it will be easier to buy influence and it will be a conflict of interest. Every single thing you do will be a conflict of interest. Like this is the same reason why Megan and Kate aren't even allowed to take free fashion and jewelry and everything. Exactly. And I think, I mean, as we've seen, Prince Andrew has a million shady contacts and his relationship with Epstein is like finally uh, really being examined. But Prince Andrew for years has this pitch at the palace program for startups, apparently. Um, But he's been accused of taking shady money from people forever. And he's, you know, a full time working senior member or was a senior member of the royal family and even then he's been you know examined by so many people and his money's looked at in so many different ways and he's still sort of doing shady things so I think yeah that's that's the biggest problem with are they going to be giving people incredible access to the royal family um, in the future so that they can you know promote their causes or make money in other ways. I think their goal in weaning themselves off of taxpayer funding is to get away from the British press because, you know, obviously the thing that the British press always says is, well, you're paid for by our tax dollars, so we are entitled to cover you like crazy. Right. So, Mm -hmm. but the thing that I think Meghan and Harry might want to pay attention to, and one thing I saw this morning um, in page six is that Oprah has been advising them, allegedly, and- You know, if you look at Oprah, if you look at Hillary and Bill Clinton, if you look at Barack and Michelle Obama, I think these are the types of people that Meghan and Harry are going to try to model their future philanthropy and business off of. And for that, like the idea that these types of celebrities are not scrutinized is kind of nuts because they are. Remember all the terrible press surrounding Oprah's school for girls in Africa. Remember right. all the bl- the bad press that has come out about the Clinton Foundation. There haven't really been any Obama scandals, but that it's pretty early. It's just like whatever they do, especially now that they're going into the private sector, there's going to be right. such insane amounts of money changing hands that I think they are going to be scrutinized a lot more than they might think. Totally. And I, I, I think the Clinton Foundation is like the best example that you gave with all of the money that we've seen and how that affected Hillary going forward. And like you said, with the Obamas, because I see Mary, uh, Meghan and Harry doing some sort of like producing deal like the Obamas have with Netflix. I mean, they're being accused of selling out their presidency and, you know, they've only been out of office for like four years. So I think that we're definitely, definitely, definitely going to see Harry and Meghan be scrutinized. And right now the world is like, eat the rich. We hate billionaires. So if they do come into a lot of money, I think they might see a wave of negative press just because suddenly they're rolling with this very A-list crew and maybe we'll see them on yachts or, or something like that. And they're, you know, the press just won't go away. It could actually get worse now that they are, you know, leaving the bubble of the Royals. Right. I think it's interesting with the production, the Obama's production deal. You know, Harry has announced that he's working with Oprah on a docuseries about mental health for Apple TV Plus. And, you know, Ricky Gervais was roasting Apple TV Plus 
just last week saying, you know, Apple uses Chinese sweatshop labor and you guys pretend to be so woke and then you work with Apple TV. And right. he's, his big joke was and like, Disney. if ISIS, yeah, if ISIS started a uh, streaming service, you'd call your agents. This is the kind of jokes and reporting that Megan and Harry might also be subject to once they start dealing at this really high level. Right. Sort of like we saw with their private jet use, which, you know, they're such big advocates for the environment and conservation. And I do think that, you know, they do need to travel by private plane because they I mean, that would just cause so much chaos, especially when traveling with Archie, if they tried to fly on a commercial flight, in my opinion. But then once again, after room, you know, reportedly taking four private jets, people blew up at them and we're like, how can you promote the environment when you're doing like one of the most harmful things that you can do? And yes, you're taking net jets and they pay money to, you know, offset your carbon. But I think, yeah, we're going to see we're going to see a lot more criticism in, the, in that uh, sector. Right. And I was just reading something else this morning. I think it was also in the post about how you know, the U.S. and Canada are going to have to foot the bill for a lot of their security. Even if they offer to pay for it privately, it's not going to be an option because it's a matter of national security for whatever country they're in. So it's really like they're kind of taking one expense off of the U.K. taxpayers and just offloading it onto American and Canadian taxpayers, possibly, which is going to make the American and Canadian press a lot more likely to scrutinize them. Yes, definitely. Because it's like having a president come to your town or something, you know, I mean, you have to put up every police officer, every police car. Um, So that's really interesting. I wonder how people will take that. I mean, they're so favored right now uh, in the US, except for the corrections I get on random articles that are like, stop writing Harry and Meghan news. No one cares. Um, Yeah. Oh, my God. How crazy are the fandoms, though? Oh, like the Harry and Meghan updates and everything like that on Instagram. They're amazing. I mean, honestly, I just wonder how people have the time to defend them so much and so well. Um, I think they, you know, despite what they're getting from the British press and everything like that, um, they, they have so much support on Instagram. And I Whenever someone tweets something negative about them, I'm just like, oh, my God, I, they have no idea that they're going to get absolutely mauled in their you right. know, DMs and everything. Well, the really interesting thing about their fans is I'm in I'm a loser and I'm in a lot of private Facebook groups about <laughs> like Megan and Kate. I love <laughs> and it. There are a lot where. The, the fandoms are divided and the Megan totally. fans attack the Kate fans and the Kate fans attack the Megan fans and right. they're vicious. It's completely yeah. insane. And it's almost to the same extent as like a political argument. It's like a Trump versus Hillary thing that's just right. playing out among these random like ladies in the mid- Midwest. Right, right. Totally. And it's like so funny. Yeah. And it caused the palaces a few months ago to say like any sort of negative comments you post on our Instagrams like will be deleted or death threats will be reported. And it's really crazy. I think that um, while Megan and Harry are talking about the press and a lot of their um, and a lot of their new updates and messages, it's really like the fandoms, like you said, that are getting really dangerous or, you know, really getting death threats like people it's so polarizing. People either love 
hate or love Megan or just hate the Royals in general. It, it really yeah. is so divisive. I think that so Megan and Harry obviously have been complaining a lot about press coverage and I have a ton of thoughts on that. But one thing that I think a lot of people do, and I'm not saying Megan and Harry do this because I have no idea, but a lot of people in the general public, I think they conflate random social media comments with the media in quotation marks as a whole. Right. And I think a lot of the time there have been a lot of really, really terrible things written about Megan and Harry in the British press and in the American press and a right. lot of obviously barely coded racial crap. I have found out that the one of the one of the most referenced racist things that was written about Megan was when a Daily Mail columnist wrote that her rich exotic DNA would be coming into the royal family. The person yeah. who wrote that is Boris Johnson's sister. Are you isn't kidding? That cra- yeah, isn't that crazy? Why is that not I had no idea. Oh my god, I know. have to write that for another article. Like, hey, just a reminder. This is yeah. insane. It's wild. <sighs> like, and if you Google Boris Johnson, he used to be. I mean, that sounds like the dumbest thing I've ever said. If you Google Boris Johnson, but <laughs> I mean, like, no, if you I look up it. his his journalism career, he mm-hmm. used to write that kind of terrible stuff about like women and and minorities and stuff. Like the things that he has written in the past are like worse than things oh, that Trump thing. has said. It's crazy. But so there are obviously like a lot of comments like that that have been made. But I think the bulk of the really, really disgusting, terrible stuff is like Daily Mail commenters. And totally. It's columnists. It's not the it's not, it's not the traditional rep- media. Right. It's not the like mainstream press. And it really bothers me that so many people lump in, you know, the Telegraph and the Guardian and stuff like that with the Express and the Sun and the Daily Mail. It because mm-hmm. it's just not the same. And even further for them to like lump in the terrible things that social media commenters will say with the rest of the reporters. Because the truth is the Royal Rota, you know, the Royal Pool reporters, mm-hmm. most of them are not engaging in any type of spin or anything. Right. I I completely agree because I think the people following them around on the Royal Rota are like, here's what Prince Harry said to these three children today, or Meghan Markle told this heartwarming story about her mom. So I don't, you know, there's not a lot of spin that you can put on an article like that. In fact, sometimes following them around, like you will only get stories about their charity work and their conservation work, which is what they're really hoping for. But, you know, at HuffPost, we used to have a open blog platform where anyone could write or say anything basically and that would always get confused with actual writers and reporters at HuffPost and that's the most frustrating thing for me and I completely agree with you on the press points where it's like yes anyone saying really horrible things about Megan it's like the opinion section of you know 60 minutes in Australia where some crazy right-wing hack is being allowed to say whatever they want because some publication wants to get a lot of views and attention and so does that person but it's not it's not an actual reporter that's been following them around for 10 years and I have really loved following all the people on the Royal Rota especially after um you know, Prince Harry announced that the Duchess of Sussex was taking legal action against Associated Newspapers, who owns uh, the Daily Mail and the Mail on Sunday, where at the time, a lot of them were like, 
whatever those people said and they printed you know part of a private letter between Megan and Megan and her dad you know whatever they're doing is not what we're doing we're we're actually reporting following them around tracking their every move but right. we're not we're not saying anything about Megan yeah and i think the way that harry in particular sort of just blatantly hates the press everyone mm-hmm. who's in the press he is he does not like them is really bad for media literacy in the world at large. And it's such a bummer. Yeah. Like I was watching this interview with a former Royal photographer this morning. Her name, his name is Arthur Edwards. He's a current Mm -hmm. Royal photographer. And he was saying how Harry just like, doesn't even speak to the press anymore. He doesn't even have small talk with them. He said that back in the day, Harry used to, after they finished a Royal tour or a big event, Harry would take them all to the pub and buy them a round of drinks. And now after the South Africa tour, instead of doing that, he announced that they were suing like a bunch of journalists, you know? So it's just crazy what the, how much his attitude toward the press has changed. But the other crazy thing is how much people are blaming that on Megan. Yes. Um, because Harry and the royal family have, you know, really disliked the uh, the press forever. And while they have had really good relationships with them, you know, like Prince Charles hates the press. Kate and uh, William won't even, like, look at photographers to have them get a good photo. So it's it's not, I think, if anything, I remember a lot of photographers and reporters saying that Megan was actually one of the nicest people to enter the royal family in terms of coverage because she would actually look at them to get a good photo. Um, And right now I think we're seeing a weirdly very Trumpian strategy of saying like, we're looking for truthful, honest reporting, but all of this right here, it's almost like this is fake news. And it's just, I feel like it's really harmful. Like you said, to the discourse of media literacy where it's like not all media, it's just, it's, um, it's really wild to see it play out across the pond where they're, they're using sort of the same language that's been really harmful for journalists in the U S. Yeah. And now in, I'm sure you saw on their website that they launched. So this is part of how kind of messy this whole rollout has been. Like they launched the Sussex Royal dot UK or whatever it is website, but they Mm -hmm. just launched a different Sussex website to announce the lawsuit. It's like, how many websites are they going to unroll? It's very weird. But so they launched the website and it's got this hugely detailed plan about their financing and all this other stuff. And, um, one of the things they said is that they're not going to use that Royal Rota anymore. They're not going to use those seven news outlets that have been covering the Royals since time immemorial. And instead right. they're going to be hand picking the journalists that come and cover them. And they're framing this as, Oh, this is, you know, we want to give opportunities to young people and different voices, blah, 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 which is very, you know, nice and everything. But I mean, there's a reason why heads of state don't really openly handpick the reporters that cover them you know right it's like they're not like the people that cover you are not supposed to be just issuing these glowing press releases about how awesome you are right right and and it is hard because like for instance I love love the royal family I love to cover them but while I'm covering something wonderful that you know Meghan and Harry are, are doing in South Africa I also have to cover Prince or Prince Andrew you know, being associated with a sex offender. So it's like, while I want 
you know, the entire world to be a wonderful and lovely place. It's you, you have to, part of the press is covering the good and the bad because you have to hold people accountable. And I think it is really interesting to see what sort of outlets will only write certain things and then be given possibly, you know, uh, favorable access. And it's something that, you know, we're HuffPost US, we are not in the Royal Rota. So I think for many years, it's been uh, us just reaching or me just reaching out to, you know, Buckingham and Kensington Palace for common and trying to get additional clarity on things. And so part of me is really excited that out, we could be given more access outside of the Royal Rota, but it's one of those things where it's like, will we be chosen? Or, right. you know, how, how does any of this, how does it work? Um, so I think, and they, they name dropped like the publications that they like. So they said Time, British Vogue. Oh, they did? They did. I didn't so they even were, notice that. They were like, we have worked with great places in the past, like Time, British Vogue, which was interesting to me to mention specifically British Vogue, which I know Megan worked with them, but, you know, you would think that they would include Vogue in general or American yeah. Vogue or something. Also, it's really Anna easy Winslow. to have a, yeah, it's really easy to have a good relationship with a publication where you were literally in charge of all the content that went into it. <laughs> when you oversaw the entire September issue. Um, yeah. But yeah, even seeing the the publications that they picked, and I'm trying to think I can pull up the the additional ones that they name dropped but that's where it's sort of like okay well they didn't mention HuffPost so how do I make sure that HuffPost is in there and included and who do I reach out to you know yeah. to sort of talk about getting access and stuff like that so it's really really interesting to see how they're going to do this going forward yeah this will be really interesting to see and I can't wait to see who they start picking yeah um, oh, they said National Geographic and the Daily Telegraph were the other ones I didn't mention interesting Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, this is going to create, I don't know, we, we could talk about the media stuff forever and we should, let's talk about the person to person stuff, like what people think about Harry and Meghan, what people think here, what people think over in the U S where you are. Yes. So yesterday I was watching all day. I had in the background British daytime TV, which I uh, am obsessed with. There's this show called Victoria Derbyshire, which is just the most British name in the world. (laughs) And yesterday she had on, it was a panel of her and a royal commentator named Angela Levin and two other. Angela. Yeah. So so famous. Yes. She was on there. And so were these two other women who were younger. They were bloggers. One of them was named ZZ. I can't find their names right now, but they were really good. But Victoria literally just in real time was sitting there saying these things that were just so, I don't want to say codedly racist because I don't know her, but she just was saying my concern is for Harry. He's become very weak. Megan talks rather than him. She feels she's more articulate than him. And also that that is codedly racist by saying that, you know, I think that's the biggest criticism that some black people talk about is when someone's like, oh, you know, Cory Booker is so articulate. Of course mm-hmm. he's articulate. He's a Rhodes Scholar. Like it, it, it is. Right. Yeah. Sort of codedly racist and sexist to say, I don't know. They always. Yeah. That's the kind of stuff that people do pick apart because it is insane to say, like, she now speaks for him. 
Um, and there were two black women on the panel and they were just sitting there like not rolling their eyes because that makes it sound like they were being rude. They weren't being rude at all. It just was like you could see the frustration in their faces that this woman is just sitting here saying this. And you know that like a million baby boomers at home are like nodding their heads along with her right. being like, yeah, Megan has taken control of him. She does think she's more articulate than him. It's like, no. I mean, for me watching them whenever they're interacting. Mm-hmm. He is so in control and protective of her. He's so yes. like, he's always guiding her, physically guiding her around. Physically, like, yeah, hand on the back. Not in a bad way at hands. all, in a really like endearing way. It's not ever that she's, she's never talking over him. It's just so crazy that people are putting this on her. And like right. the whole point of the Diva Behavior podcast is talking about like women's agency and all this right. stuff. But I think in stuff with Megan and Harry, people, this is one of the rare and only cases where people are giving Megan too much agency, more agency than she actually has. Totally. And that's why I wrote an article yesterday where I was saying like Prince Harry has been frustrated with his royal, with his role in the Royals forever. And it's actually based on an interview that Angela Levin did with him for Newsweek in 2017, where uh, he was talking about how being in the military, that was one of the greatest things for him. And after, you know, I mean, like the man was like being in Afghanistan was, uh, it, it gave me purpose. And then going back to being in the Royals, he was like, I just didn't, you know, I didn't know if I could find a role for myself. And he did talk about how he considered leaving and that, you know, in, in the whole interview, he's like, I'm living in a, a goldfish bowl and I'm trying to get better at handling it. And even in a prior interview with the Telegraph and April 2017, he was saying, like, I've probably been close to a a nervous breakdown many times about this sort of life. So that's what I kind of wanted to show that it's not it's not Megan at all. Like Harry has struggled for so long and also he's not in line to the throne. So it's sort of like Princess Margaret and Queen Elizabeth, where it's like there's the heir and the despair, unfortunately. So what do you do when you're trapped in the system, but then you're also not allowed to like live a a full life it's such a weird position to be in and Megan's only been in it you know since November 2016 but she's not I don't I think you're right she doesn't have as much agency like if anything she's the one that sort of probably has to sit back and let Harry fight all of these battles because she's not she hasn't been a member of the royal family her entire life right and I think the other thing that's really important for people to remember is Princess Diana, when she was alive, she fully invented the model of celebrity philanthropist. And it didn't happen for her until her divorce. Like after the Mm -hmm. divorce, after she was fully out of the royal family, she was able to literally create the mold for people like Michelle Obama, Bono, um, you know, Oprah to a like smaller extent Mm -hmm. because Oprah also created her own thing. But like Princess, like, all of these like celebrity Angelina Jolie, this was right. all sort of a model that was created by Diana and it and she loved America also. Like she has it's been reported that she sort of would always like she loved going to America because everyone was nice to her there and right. people weren't like, you know, thinking about all the royal drama. They just were excited to meet her. And mm-hmm. I think kind of Harry moving to North America, whether it's Kate Canada or the US is mm-hmm. a really natural progression of what his mom would have started and did start while she was alive. Definitely. And I also think that 
as we've seen with other uh, monarchies, and I, I always forget if it's Sweden or Norway, but they are trimming down their monarchy so only people in line for the throne are supported by the throne because that that is good for public perception and for the the whole taxpayer argument. So I think some people are arguing that Harry and Meghan likely, you know, would have not not been like like tossed to the side or anything but I think that Prince Charles would would have said like hey if you want to do away with your royal allowance and you know live somewhere else like they would have eventually negotiated something like this I think the timeline has been sped up by by years but I I think that people do you know like they do want the monarchy to survive and part of that is saying like hey you're only paying for five people in line to the throne and you're not financing anyone else's lifestyle Right. So this brings me to a topic that I'm obsessed with and no one else really cares about, which I'm trying to change <laughs> which that. Means, which means I'll care about it. <laughs> Hopefully. So we always hear that the royals are funded only a little bit by taxpayers and the rest is from their private wealth. Mm-hmm. So the truth about their private wealth is that, OK, the money that the bulk of the money that they use comes from the crown estate. The mm-hmm. I don't know how to say this word. The sovereign grant. Oh. No, if it's duchy or duchy or duchy or what, you know what I, I'm talking about. Duchy of Cornwall. Right? Yeah, the Duchy of Cornwall. But and I never. Of... I don't think I've ever said it out loud. So me yeah, either. We'll see. So the bulk of their the bulk of their money comes from the Crown Estate, the Duchy of Cornwall, and the Duchy of Lancaster. So these are basically lands that have been in the royal family since the Norman conquest, since the year 1066, pretty much most of this land. And even the land that was added more recently was mostly in like the 1300s. So it's a huge, huge chunk of land. It's like, I forget the actual number, but it's a lot. So this Mm -hmm. is all this land that they own just by virtue of the fact that they are the royal family and they've always owned it. And a lot of people argue that maybe this should be public land because it brings in like hundreds of millions of dollars or pounds a year. So the thing is, in the UK, a lot of the time, if you buy a house, you don't actually own the ground that that property is on. So you're paying Mm -hmm. the full cost of the house and the land, but you have to pay a lease on it every hundred years, which Mm -hmm. is just crazy. Right. And And that lease money is going from working people into like Prince Charles and Queen Elizabeth's pocket. So it's not really, you know, yes, it's their private money, but they've they've refused people the right to buy their own land so that they can keep that private money. Right. It's, It's bonkers. Do you think that more people will become interested in this and investigating the private money as the private money maybe starts to fund Harry and Meghan? I mean, it already, it already funds them. And like, that's what paid for the, you know, the royal wedding and their, their outfits and stuff like that. Yeah. I don't know why it's not a bigger deal here in the UK, because Mm -hmm. like when I was doing research on this, it's actually really hard to find sources about it. No one seems to really fully understand it. And the crown estate is the biggest part of that. And no one even, it doesn't even have like a board. It's crazy. It's, it's so it mysterious. Yeah, wow. like no one even knows really who's in charge of it. It's very odd. So I don't know if people will start to care. But the other thing is royals don't have to pay inheritance taxes. Right. So whenever someone dies, like somehow uh, 
Princess Margaret when she died. She was the queen's sister. She left about 50 million pounds worth of stuff to her kids and all the other royal kids and everything. Where did Princess Margaret get 50 million pounds? Right. Like, what? That's No, honestly, when you just said that, I was like, I, I honestly don't know how she ever accumulated that. And they even sold off, like, a lot of her belongings and stuff like that, but that wasn't a part of the 50... $50 million. Yeah. I mean, she also had an island in the Caribbean that was gifted to her. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So. The, yeah, mustique. mustique. But, yeah, so the thing is, once people, I feel like if people do start to scratch the surface a little bit on royal funding, they might be mm-hmm. like, wait a minute, why is this, like, plumber in Cornwall paying, um, you know, 10,000 pounds to stay in the property that he owns so that right. Harry can do xyz you know right and then it'll yeah not only that but like who they're gonna like what billionaires are they gonna accept money from for their eventual foundation and how's that going to be looked at or donations from companies and like you said unfortunately once any celebrity or anyone cares about a certain issue I think the public then is like well if you care about this issue so much you have to care about all issues Um, which is sort of how we got the private plane controversies. So it'll be really interesting to see um, how they handle that. Or even, you know, hanging out with certain friends like George and Amal Clooney. Like, what if Amal Clooney is, I mean, she always does such amazing humanitarian work, but then it's like, what if she's standing up for a group and the other group, you know, starts attacking Harry and Meghan for saying, like, you're friends with Amal. And, you know, I think that's, that's what we sort of see play out in all these like celebrity politics where people are just sort of vicious no matter what you do or where you move or where you live and I wonder if the paparazzi would be worse for them if they they talked about moving to LA or you know people have been talking about them moving to LA and that just seems nuts to me where it's like how will they be able to have a more private life there what do you think there are no paparazzi shooting them in the UK it does right. not exist. Right. It's just not allowed. So the fact that they want to move to a country where we have full unrestricted press freedom and we don't right. do stuff like that is, right. yeah, I don't know what their rationale is there. And where celebrities have to fight to say, please do not photograph my child. Like, I think that's Kristen Bell's entire paparazzi thing where it's like, you can get me, but you can't get my kid. And how will we feel if we start seeing, I mean, we we have a policy that we don't show photos um, or we don't show paparazzi photos of celebrities' kids. So we'll only show a photo of the kid if the parent puts it on Instagram or um, isn't like a Getty photo for a planned event with them. But I think that'll be really interesting. Like, will people start, I don't know, will they start hunting them down like, you know, Diana did, which I think if you're living in Los Angeles, home to TMZ and a hundred other at least paparazzi on every corner like what will that look like for them right I don't think it's going to be as chill as they might think it's going to be because you know once people figure out where they live and everything like right that's done you know they might they might have had a great time in Canada over the past six weeks but that's because nobody really knew where they were but if they had right. stayed there long term people would figure it out eventually and they'd have people hanging around you know like I think people in the UK actually can be a lot more chill about the royal family because they do respect their privacy as they're going about their like day-to-day business you know like if Mm -hmm. you ever try to 
you know, find out where they go, where they like to eat and everything. It's like pretty hard to find that information. Whereas Mm -hmm. people, if like random people are spotting Megan and Harry out in the US, they're going to be calling TMZ like immediately. (laughs) Right. And just tweeting like, hey, Harry and Megan are at 13th and A, you know, something just where it's like, yeah, I wonder what what kind of a normal life they will be able to lead, whether they're in Toronto, which again is like such a quick flight from New York. As soon as people figure out where they are, I feel like you could definitely have have reporters there um, or hanging out outside of the States and stuff. And yeah, that brings up, I think something that you and I had talked about earlier, which is that as soon as Princess Diana was sort of out of the royal family, that's when she was, or not out of the royal family, but she really wanted to ditch the security that always followed her so she could go to the gym and be sort of a normal person. But then I think, like you said, that's when things got bad. And that's when she jumped in a car with a drunk driver. So it's sort of like, what will the security situation be? What sort of rules will apply to press in the U.S., which we have press freedom, so how will that work? Right. Yeah, it's all a mess right now because we just don't, we don't know how any of this will work and I don't think the royal family knows how any of it will work yeah so let's give as we wrap up a quick update on what's going on so apparently now Megan is has flown back to Canada to Mm -hmm. be with Archie um which is very interesting to me because that sort of sends a message of like this is happening the train is rolling like we are out like the kid is in Canada the kid is not in the UK. Megan is not in the UK. Like Harry being in the UK seems now like it's temporary. Right. And then. I think, yeah, that was that just totally seemed like the first bombshell was that they're stepping back. And then I think the second biggest part of the news, honestly, eclipsing the fact that Harry put out the announcement against the Queen's wishes, I think, was that they left Harry or Archie in Canada because that just shows like we're serious. You can sort of de- try and negotiate and do whatever you want, but like, welcome. We're, we're going back to Canada so you can call us and hammer out something if you want to. Right. So yeah. So now Harry's going up to Balmoral, I think is where they are right now to talk to Charles and the queen and William about what the actual details will be. So what do you think the actual details are going to be? How close do you think the actual result is going to be to what Megan and Harry laid out on their website in extreme detail, which is also right. crazy because they're like, we're in preliminary talks. And it's like, I don't think Megan and Harry think these talks are preliminary. Nothing is right. I think we're going to see something really close to what they laid out. Um, because I think they, they really do have the upper hand right now, in my opinion, because I think they've shown like, it doesn't really matter what you guys think. We're just going to do whatever we want, whatever we think is safest and best for our family. Um, so I think we'll see, I think the media stuff, um, will definitely happen. The biggest thing to me is them becoming financially independent, but they said they want to stay at Frogmore Cottage in Windsor Castle. So that I'm really interested in. Um, I do think that they will be able to retain their titles but I honestly, I just, I wonder what the royal family could do to them now. Like, I think it would be so unpopular to go against Meghan and Harry's wishes for public perception. Um, so I, I think that Meghan and Harry will get a lot of what they want. What do you think? 
Yeah, I think so too. But I also think I read somewhere, I think it was, it was either the Telegraph or the Guardian, which is very reliable, yeah. saying that a source had said that Charles would not be in favor of letting them maintain that Duchy of Cornwall cash either. So okay. they, so like, I think right now the kind of scuttlebutt is that they are going to have to be 100% financially independent Mm -hmm. because they basically were saying – so the sovereign grant, the tax money, only Mm -hmm. funds 5% of what they do. And he's 90 – yeah, the other Right, and the Duchy of Cornwall. Yeah, and the Duchy of – which is a 100-something thousand pounds a year. It's really not that much. They could get that back in, like, two speaking engagements, I'm sure. Right. But the stuff that – Charles covers 95% of their allowance, I guess, or their cost Mm -hmm. of living. That is from that Duchy of Cornwall money that comes from land that that like hardworking people are paying basically dues to occupy. Mm -hmm. So I think Prince Charles is going to be like, yeah, we can't really be sending this cash overseas for them. That's insane. Like millions of dollars, millions of pounds a year. Right. Uh, So I think they are going to be... They, they say on their website that they're only giving up the sovereign grant, the taxpayer portion. But I right. think they're going to have to give it all up. And I think maybe they'll be weaned off slowly. But mm-hmm. if they are going to live outside the UK, I think that Prince Charles is going to be like, we really can't be doing this. You, like, you either can be fully financially independent or not. Or um, not. Yeah. So, I, but I think, I don't think they'll have any problem making enough money to live. I really no. don't. And but the thing is, I just think like we were saying at the top, there's going to be a lot of scandal and scrutiny attached to where their money is coming from. Right. Exactly. Like if you if you get half a million dollars to speak at, you know, an Apple event or something like that. Or for like an oil company or something. Right. Oh, God, that would be like the kind of groups like the kind of groups that have the amount of money to fork over to them are not always going to be really uh savory groups they're gonna have to be really judicious about who they give their money or who they take money from so I think that is gonna maybe be something that but so so I think that might if they do end up leaving I think that's the way it's gonna go Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think I think the one thing yeah they do have the upper hand right now because I think Megan's involvement in the royal family is really crucial to keeping the Commonwealth together, which is all right. of the nations that used to kind of be under like imperial control. And now they're just like loosely connected. And most right. of them are countries that most of the people are people of color. And I don't think the royal family wants to lose Megan totally because then it will be a lot easier for Commonwealth countries to sort of peel off and say, why are we still being like ruled by this family of white people? So I do agree they have the upper hand for that reason. But I also I don't know. I think it's all going to hinge on how things are going forward when Charles becomes king and when William becomes king, because if William gets in there and he's like, you guys haven't even been like primarily living in this country for 20 years by the time he gets in. Right. Who knows what would happen? Oh my God. It's crazy. I know it's, it's so crazy. I kind of want to just fast forward 10 years and see like what the state of things are and what the public perception of Harry and Meghan is. And yeah, it's just, and like, what, what is going to happen to Archie? What is his life going to look like? You know, like, where is he going to go to school? And and stuff like that. It's so interesting. And like you were saying, if they have to give up the Duchy of Cornwall money, then that 
again, Frogmore Castle or, or Frogmore Cottage is just, I cannot get it out of my head where British taxpayers just spent like two million pounds, I think, repairing it, which is like roughly three million dollars. But it's still, you know, it's like still royal money. So I think if they yeah. don't get to keep it, it'll look bad. Like, why did we just renovate it for this much money and outfit it for them? So I, I don't know. Everything is just everything is wild. And apparently with this meeting in Balmoral, we will figure out the details of what's actually going to go down in the agreement within the next few days and not the next few weeks. So, yeah, I mean, we could we could know by next Monday or something, which is crazy. It is really crazy. And there's a really big reason why this never happens. And there's a really big reason why royals don't ever get to keep their titles and earn money independently. And to prevent corruption. That's number one, to prevent corruption and access to unsavory people. Right. It'll be really tough. Yeah, it's going to be tough. I think we both probably wish them the best, though. Oh, 100% wish them the best. And I think you know, they have, like, Harry's life, he's been through so much. Megan has been under, you know, she now lives in this goldfish bowl, and I think, I think most people in the press, like, 99% of people, save for the 1% of, you know, columnists that we were talking about, always wish the best for the people that they cover. Um, Right. Yeah, I just... Harry and Megan, wish you the best. Let me know when you want to do an interview. We're ready. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I think, yeah, it'll be really interesting. It's interesting how quickly this is all happening, which is unbelievable. Um, So, yeah, hopefully by the time this this podcast goes up, this information will not be out of date. (laughs) Yay! Yeah. Oh, my God. We need to get it up by this afternoon then. Just, God, the pace that things are moving. But thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. It's always so much fun to talk to you. Thank you. It's awesome. We could totally, we literally could do this for hours. Hours. Yeah. Some people think Diva's a bitch. I never said that. Diva behaves. Great, uh, great gowns, beautiful gowns. (laughs) Of course. I don't trust you. Diva Behavior, the podcast. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 